Well, praise the Lord. Uh, good morning again. I want to, uh, I see some faces that I, that I've seen, uh, at our, our fall fest. I've seen some, some people I'll wave to. Uh, we've got, uh, uh, some of our adult and teen challenge guys here today and we want to welcome you guys. We love you guys and, uh, appreciate you guys coming to join us in the service. Uh, praise the Lord and got a, Say hello to the NCF family watching online. We love you guys, and and uh, we trust that God will meet you where you're at as you join with us in the service. You, I started last week um, with the with the uh, message titled "All in the Family," and uh, maybe some of y'all remember that show back in the days with Archie Bunker, and and uh, wasn't exactly a uh, biblical show, right? And, uh, but I was inspired to make the message that name because we covered last week the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew chapter one. And as we covered that genealogy, we saw what was all in the family lineage of Jesus, right? And all the derelicts that were in his family. I mean, there were prostitutes, there were murderers, there were adulterers, right? There, there, there were not only Jews, but there were also uh, pagans, you know. There's a woman from Moab. It intentionally mentioned women which uh, in the lineage, which really wasn't typical of a lineage being listed for someone whom you're trying to prove they have a royal lineage. That, that, that genealogy was to prove that he was a, a descended from Abraham and from David. And yet we have Tamar in there. We have Ruth. We have Bathsheba. The genealogy didn't even mention her name. It just said, you know, Solomon was born by David by the wife of Uriah. Some things you want to give as little detail as possible. You know, and I talked about how we like to sanitize or clean up our families history. We want to highlight the good stuff and we want to sweep under the rug or hide the bad stuff because we don't want people to know that we've got that kind of ugliness in our history. But what I love about God is that he included it all in there in the genealogy of Jesus because he wanted to be very clear that this king who would be born is going to be everybody's king. This savior who was to be born is going to be everybody's savior. Whether you were, whether you were in the palace or the outhouse, he was your savior. Whether you're on the east side of the track or the west, he's your savior. Whether you've got the all American looking family or you've got a wreck of a family, right? Whether you've got a good track record or whether you've got a record of all kinds of uh, illegal activities and immoral acts, this Jesus is your savior as well. And you are welcome into the family of God. Amen? And so we're kind of continuing with the all in the family today, but we're doing it not from a genealogical standpoint. Uh, I want to save talking about the birth of Jesus and all that that signifies for the Christmas service, right? We will allude to it, but I'm not going to cover it in great detail today, but I do want to cover a couple who is a part of that genealogy of Jesus, and that is Zechariah and Elizabeth. And the events that occurred leading up to the pronouncement and the birth of Jesus. So let's start in the book of Luke today. And we're going to cover a lot of verses. So if you like to write verses down, we're not going to cover a lot of verses. We're just going to cover a lot of this very long chapter. Starting in the fifth verse of Luke chapter one. It says, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. Of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, 
walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child. Say that with me. But they had no child. Because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now, we talked about, uh, last week we talked about all the people that, how encouraging it was to me that God included the people in, gene- in Jesus' genealogy that he included. Because I found myself being able to relate to some of them and it gave me hope and it gave me encouragement and it inspired me that, that, that no one is too, too far down and too far gone for God. Right? And, and, and it, it really spoke of the heart of the Jesus that I know. Amen? But here we have a couple, Zechariah and his darling wife Elizabeth. It says that they are, they have no child and they're advanced in years. So her womb is closed. She's past childbearing age. And you cannot look back in either one of them's life. This is the canon of scripture. This is the word of God. Every word of God, every word, every verse of scripture is inspired by God. It's the word of truth. And so the scripture says, inspired by God, that they were righteous before God and they walked blamelessly, blamelessly in all his commandments and statutes of the Lord. So we cannot look back on their lives, look back on any of their history and point to any justification for what they're suffering. We can't look back at Elizabeth's history and say, well, you know, maybe it's because of that season of life she didn't walk with God. I remember that ugly period in her life where, or, or, or his, or, or in Zechariah's life where they walked in blatant disobedience with God. And now it makes sense to me that they wouldn't be able to have children. You know, we don't always have a why for everything that happens in life. Uh, every one of us here has probably asked at one point, God, why? Help it make sense to me. Maybe I deserve it. If I deserve it, let me know. We, we want to make sense of it because that's how we process stuff. You know, and a lot of times, you know what God really wants us to do in his, in our faith walk with him, right? It is, it's not to prioritize so much. God, give me why. Right? It's, it's to focus on, okay, God, I know you're good and I know you're faithful. Right? And so I don't need to know why, Lord. I, what I need to know is what you're saying to me. What you're, what, what, what you're doing in my life right now. What do I need to hear from you about that? And what do you need me to do? Because the why question, Lord, I don't know, this may step on some toes, but the, the why question, Lord, uh, uh, in, in, implied in that why question, Lord, is, uh, I'm, I'm a little untrusting of you right now. I mean, everybody don't need to say amen, but, but that's all right. I don't know. You know, I don't know what's going on. I need to understand this. It may be something that I need to fix. And I don't know if I can trust God to fix this. God, God, I need some kind of answers. Their life was one of faith, faithful obedience to God. They were commended in scripture in these first few verses here. And yet it made a point to say they had no child. And it's, and it pointed out which one was, was the problem. She was barren in both advancing years. Let's keep on going. Now, while he was serving as priest before God 
When his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. You're right. Now, this is an awesome greeting from the Lord. Now, I can, I can bet you, especially in that culture, it, you know, it, it was a, a reproach, a great reproach for a couple not to be able to have children. It was a great reproach to the woman to not be able to bear children. And I can guarantee you that they sent out a multitude of prayers over their years of faithful obedience to God, praying that God would bless them to be able to have a child. I can't say if they prayed for a son or a daughter. Uh, I believe they would have praised God for either. But I can guarantee you they prayed. And every day, every time they prayed, that prayer seemed to go unanswered. You know, why do we always think that the only answer to a prayer is yes or no? Sometimes the answer is not now. And for the most of their lives, the answer was not now. They probably didn't hear it, but the answer was not now. They didn't get bitter toward God. They kept faithfully serving him because they still knew. Despite their circumstances, God is good. They still knew, despite their circumstances, God favored them and God was faithful. And they got a not now until they were, I guess, old enough to be in the Saints Alive ministry. And it says that he was serving and he was going to offer up incense. And, and when they, I, I won't get into bore you into all the technicalities of it and everything, but, but his job was to go in and he, he would go up in the holy place and he would burn the incense. And as the, and as the uh, incense rose up, it was to symbolize the prayers of Israel going up to, going up to God. It's a pretty simple job. He does it. He comes out backwards. He says a, uh, a, a blessing over the people of Israel and, and everything's good. But he got this position by lots. They, they basically rolled the dice and it fell to him. I don't know for sure. I doubt that he ever got a chance to do this before. Most of them were lucky if they got a chance to do it once. And at this time, the lot fell on him to serve this duty at this particular time. And as he went in there to perform it, he encountered the angel from the Lord with an amazing greeting, selling, telling him the thing that you have prayed for from the day that you were married. God's answering that prayer right now. I want to encourage you, some of you here, you've been Praying a long time for some stuff. You've not seen any indication that God has said yes because you've not seen the thing for which you're praying come to pass. 
And you may have uh, interpreted that after waiting for so long, you may have finally said, you know what? God just said no. I'm going to give up hope here. I'm, I, 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 I've gone as long as I can. I'm uh, folding up my tent and I'm moving on. I want to encourage you not to be too quick to do that. Because who knows, today may be your time to offer up incense. Today, the lot may have been cast and, uh, and, and it hit on your name. Today may be the day you find out that all those years of praying and hoping and having hope deferred and answer not come to fruition, all those years God was just saying not yet, not no. Uh, but he tells him, you call his name John, you'll have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord. He must not drink wine and strong drink. He'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Now, before I say what I want to say next, I want to read these next couple verses. Here is Zechariah's response. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. That's that's the answer of a man who's been worn down and beaten down by disappointment. I can relate to that. I think we all can relate to that. But there's something for us to learn here, though. Right? Because uh, while I understand his answer, it doesn't change the fact that his answer is not rooted in the truth of God's word. It's not rooted in faith because it, 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 well, it's rooted in the emotion of his disappointment. Now, he's got an angel of God telling him your prayer is answered. This isn't like Mary, because people compare, compare and contrast Mary and Zechariah. Well, they pretty much did the same thing. Wait a minute. The angel just told you what you've been praying for. God is giving you. Poor Mary got blindsided. She wasn't praying for that. Of course, she's going to have questions, right? Uh, but, but she had a question. You could tell her heart. Her question was seeking understanding because she was willing to say yes to God. But she was still hopeful. She was still full of faith. She was still believing. This was a response from someone who's like, yeah, right. I, I, I need I need something more tangible. How shall I know this? Because the circumstances say the same circumstances that I've been dealing with for all these decades. Now there's an added problem. When we were hopeful, when we were still able to bear children, hope sprang eternal. But now that we're past that age, Isn't it, isn't it a, just think about how far in disappointment, how deep we have to be in that for the angel of the Lord to say, your prayer has been answered. God sent me to tell you that he's going to give you a son. Here's what you go. It's such a done deal. Here's what you're going to name him. 
and, 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 and he's going to prepare the way for the Lord. I mean, you couldn't get a better proclamation than that. And his answer is, how shall I know? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And Gabriel, an angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words which will be fulfilled in their time. I'm not here to beat up on the poor man. I'm not exactly sure that I would have responded any different. I'm just going to be real with you about that. You know, uh, I can read this and I can say, man, what was he thinking? Bonehead? But given the same set of circumstances, I might have been the same bonehead. I won't, I won't say that about y'all because y'all might be sensitive. And there's more of y'all than me, so. But any one of us might have been the, might have been the bonehead. I, I think we, we need to be careful not to pass judgment in these character, in these, uh, on these characters when we read them in the Bible because they were living things out that we're reading about. This was their life. They're going through it. They're experiencing these things. There wasn't much of anything to prepare them for this, right? And so they're walking through this the best that they can. And so we'd be better served to, to see what lessons we can learn from them in this. Uh, what lessons God may ha- be trying to teach us through their life experience. Amen? And, and the thing that I just wanted to say here is that, you know, we talked about the genealogy before, but these people represent a different demographic, a different set of people. We have people in here today, you know, I would hope you didn't get dragged here today. I, I hope you're here because you want to be here. You know, I, I hope you're here because you love the Lord and, 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 and you want to come worship him with other people who love the Lord and, and you want to hear his word, right? And so you want to let God speak to you so, so, so you can know his word of truth and walk in it and glorify his name and tell others about him, right? So you want to encounter the Lord. I hope that is the case. And I hope that as you're hearing this story today, we're not done with it because there's more to share. But I hope that as you're hearing this story today, if you fall into this demographic of someone, your walk may not have been as, as godly as uh, Zechariah and, and, and Elizabeth, but, you know, you've walked your own path. Someone's led you to the Lord. You're walking in the things of God. You're doing it better some days than others. But there's a desire that's been in your heart. A desire that may be God-given. And maybe when you were 15, 18, 21, right? You saw that vision. You, you, saw, you saw yourself achieving that. You believed that God was going to do something amazing in you and through you. You were going to impact the world in some significant way. And then life dealt you some blows. You made some decisions you shouldn't have made. 
other people's actions impacted you in ways you couldn't control. And all of a sudden, one thing leads to another and time goes by. And before you know it, that dream that seemed so, so real in your minds before, that, that, that passion that you had, that you felt you could achieve, all of a sudden that, that thing begins to dissipate and it begins to die. And, and you can't see yourself fulfilling that anymore. That, 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 was a, that was a kid's dream. That was a pipe dream. I can't see, not after what I've done, not what after I've been through, I can't see it happening. My circumstances. Don't make it possible. I want to tell you today, don't let your circumstances lie to you. God is not limited by your circumstances. There is nothing that is impossible with him. Are you hearing me? He sent an angel to talk to Zechariah to let him know the good news that God said yes to the prayer that he and his wife had been asking for for all those years and why God chose the timing that he did that's according to his divine wisdom. But what it looks like to me here is that, see, God was always going to say yes to their prayer, but he said yes to their prayer at a time that, that was perfect in his timing, in his will. He could have gave him a child at 20. He could have gave him a child at 30 or 40, right? But the child that he was going to give to them was going to pave the way for the Messiah, and that child couldn't come just any time. So they just had to hang in there. They, they didn't, you know, they, they got to a point to where they stopped believing that that prayer could be answered. What I said earlier about not judging people. I love the fact that God includes that in there. Because by including that in there, I'm able to see that God's will still came to pass. And he dealt with the unbelief. He, he, he dealt with the unbelief in a loving way. He basically silenced the, uh, he did punish him. He chastised him. God chastises those he loves. But he made Zechariah mute and not able to talk until the thing that he said would happen came to pass. So Zechariah didn't believe it anymore because the circumstances had beaten him down, but God still did it. Maybe you've gotten to a point to where your belief has waned, but that doesn't change God's plan for your life. What he's purposed to do in your life, he can and will still do it. Even if he has to shut you up for a while, he'll do it. But he said it will be fulfilled in their time. Uh, let's skip to the, ver the verse 24. Because we're talking about Elizabeth. We're talking about Zechariah, the child that will be born of them. But there is a tie-in. That we'll go into a little bit more next week, but there's a tie-in here. Now, we've so far we've been we're talking about their experience and their walk and their challenge and what they have to overcome, right? After these days, in verse 24, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, 
Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. I, I don't think she was hiding away. Obviously, she wasn't, she wasn't ashamed of being pregnant. Right? You know, I, I, I believe that she was just taking, that this is the thing that God has done and she's going to set herself apart and, 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 and she's going to commune with God and she's going to hear from God about this thing that God is doing. And this child that is in her womb, Lord, you made this happen. You must have something amazing in store for this child. And Lord, I'm, I'm here. I'm listening. I'm available. I want to hear whatever it is your will to share with me. All the truth that pertains to this child. Because I know you've got a call on his life. That's the way I look at it. It wasn't, you know, nothing. Her being pregnant could not be any more of a shame than her being barren. Not at that time, not at that community, not, not, not in that culture. And you can, later on, so many people celebrated her having the child that there's no way that she had, should have been concerned about how people would feel about her being pregnant with the child. So I just put that in there to let y'all know uh, it happened. And let's skip to verse 57. And I won't keep you guys more than another hour or so. Here's where the tie Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord has shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, no, he should be called John. And they said to her, well, none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him, what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. (laughs) And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed. Uh Uh-oh, what is he going to do? And he spoke, blessing God. Now, this man ain't been able to talk since the since the time he was, uh, the angel struck him with mutinous, this dude goes, he goes home. He has relations with his wife. His wife gets pregnant. She carries the baby full term, gives birth to the baby. They circumcise, it's time to circumcise the baby. This man is at least, at least nine months, probably 10 months, he's not been able to open his mouth. And the first thing out of his mouth is blessing God. You know, it, 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 at least it harkens me back to Jonah in the belly of the fish. That nine, ten month period was like his belly of the fish moment. God brought these, brought these, this good news to him. And his disappointment had him so jaundiced that he did not see it as good news. Or he did not see it as a done deal. He didn't respond to it the way that he should have. And so he's not able to have those those conversations not able to open his mouth and talk and 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 even proclaim what God spoke to him through the angel 
when he was offering incense. He's not able to give testimony. He's not able to do any of that stuff because he can't even speak. All because of the thing he did say. was full of unbelief born out of disappointment. You would think he'd be feeling some type of way once his mouth was finally opened. But just like Jonah in the belly of the fish said, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came into thy holy temple. And it took him three days to reach this point. And you've heard me say this before, but it took him three days to reach this point. Why three days if you're in the belly of a fish? I don't know. But he said, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. but I will sacrifice unto thee. What I have vowed, I will perform. Why did he say that? He said that because his will was in direct conflict with God's will as it pertained to the people of Nineveh. God wanted a message preached to them that might lead to their repentance. And he didn't want their repentance. He wanted God to deal with them. Which is why he ran. And which is why he ended up in the belly of the fish. And God had him hemmed in until he relented and said, yes, Lord. And I believe Zechariah had his mouth shut. He's hemmed in. He had plenty of time to think. And in that 10 months, he had plenty of time to think about the goodness of God about the faithfulness of God. He had plenty of time to think about the attitude that he displayed in the presence of God's messenger who came to him with good news. But he also got a chance to observe the fact that his wife actually did get pregnant. She was carrying his child and he got a chance to see in real life what that angel had proclaimed to him on that day and so there was some healing there was some God God was working on this man's heart and this man's heart was softening and yielding in that moment Sometimes the best thing we can do is to close our mouths and to be quiet before God and reflect on what God has said. Reflect back on the things that we have experienced. But not just the negative things and how we feel about them, but to reflect back on it with the intent to see where God was in that experience. You know, I've done that. And I've looked back. In times I thought God wasn't there, I've had to recognize and acknowledge that he was there the whole time. Didn't stop me from going through it. but he helped me through it. Didn't stop me from going through it, but he brought somebody into my life that encouraged me, inspired me, kicked me in the butt when I needed it. Somebody like Todd. I mean that in a great way, brother. You know? And uh, she probably, I don't know if she'll ever be listening to this, but uh, Miss Martha McMillan at OSU, 
was just such a butt kicker for me. Because she made sure that I paid the price for my, uh, let's just say, my academic foolishness. And she made, I ended up academically suspended. And, uh, and I, I, I called that woman everything but a child of God in a, a certain season in my life. Uh, uh, not proud of it. But if she had not done what she did, then uh, my, I, was, I would have stayed on that pathway of destruction that I was on. What she did, right, she was used by God because God was trying to get my attention. And I wasn't trying to hear what God was trying to say because I had an agenda. I had an objective and the only thing that mattered was me achieving that objective and I had all these ideas about how getting to the NFL was going to change everything for me my family and so forth nothing mattered but that not even going to class it's crazy how that is I would I might miss class but I was on that practice field and uh Became a starter as a red shirt freshman, and it was everything was going according to plan. Until that third semester of zero point whatever GPA hit. And she said, That's enough. And what ended up happening was 18 months of my life being turned upside down and uh, me needing to get my life together. And during that 18 months, without trying to make the story longer than it needs to be, during that 18 months, God revealed to me that he had a call on my life that was different than my plan. And the thing that I wanted most in life and my determination to achieve that thing, it needed to be removed out of the way so that I would humble myself and be able to hear what God had to say. Right? And so uh, sometimes the things we want most in life are the worst things for us. You know, and that was it for me. And so I was able to come back. Uh, uh, I met a pastor. Uh, God just highlighted me to him. And uh, he prayed with me, prophesied to me, and all these other things as God was dealing with me. And uh, I ended up coming back to OSU. And he had done such a work in my life. I went to Miss Martha McMillan, and I, uh, I told her that what she did was a work of God in my life, and I thanked her for doing it. I think it's safe to say the NFL dream is not going to happen. And I don't believe that that's a lack of faith <laughs> uh, to say that. Heck, I've even retired from intramural sports, so I'm not even trying to go there. But, and I know some of y'all are in an environment right now that uh, is a hard one to be in. You got some restrictions on your life and, you know, you feel muted. You feel like Zechariah must feel like when he couldn't speak. You feel like Jonah must have felt like when he was in the belly of the whale. And you feel like there are things you could be doing if you weren't stuck where you're at. And I'm telling you, man, (laughs) I'm telling you, hopefully you can take it from my stories, the, the, the thing, the place you need to be is where God wants you. The last thing you need right now is a lot of, is some of the things you want, because some of the things you want got you where you're at right now, right? And so, 
So your focus needs to be, okay, God, I'm here. And while I'm here, right, uh, while I'm here, I want to I, I want to meet you here. And since I'm here, all that other nonsense is out of my life. Since I'm here, Lord, I want to know what your purpose is for me here. What are you saying to me, God? What is your plan for my life? Right? Because if you don't know that, then that, that needs to be a focus of prayer for you. What is God's plan for your life? Uh, I wasn't looking for God's plan for my life, but I found it. When the thing that I wanted most got taken from me. And I say found it, I fell into it. Honestly. Um, and I don't even want to do God a disservice. So saying fell into it is, is almost like, well, it just happened uh, by happenstance or whatever. No, 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 no. God orchestrated those things in my life to put me where I needed to be. So uh, guess what? When I came, that, that three semesters I was here messing up, That before I came to uh, OSU, I was a, uh, I gave my heart to Jesus. I don't know how many people could have told that while I was here. And I was so focused on going to the NFL, I wasn't going to church uh, uh, faithfully on Sundays. I really weren't, wasn't praying, I wasn't in God's word. I was doing my own thing, partying, doing all kinds of stuff. And then I needed to rest. Something had to give. Wasn't going to be football. Class gave. And it kept giving. It kept giving. It kept giving. <laughs> right? And so, and I remember the first time I heard God speak to me. He said, I didn't want that for you, son. But, but you gave football a place in your life that should have been reserved for me, and I had to take that from you. And I'm glad he did. Because <clears throat> I have been the I have been the better for it. And so I and I know the path that I was on, I, I probably it's unlikely I'd even be here today. Uh if God had not interrupted me and changed my course. And I and, I, and I, I know and I trust that many of you are on that same path right now. God has interrupted your plan. And if you're feeling some type of way about it, it's time to get over it. Right? It's time to get over it and it's time to yield your heart to him. And say, you know, that, that's one of the examples that we get out of this story from uh, Elizabeth and, and, and Zechariah. Right. At some point, we've got to get over over it. We've got to get over ourselves. OK, God. Yes, I have plans, Lord. Yes, there is a certain dream. There are certain aspirations that I've had and things have not worked out the way that I wanted them to. Right. And the, the question that we must ask ourselves is knowing that what is it that I should do? I believe God is speaking to some of y'all today. Through this story, he's speaking to some of y'all today. I hope he's speaking to all of us through this story today. I'm going to hold off. Let's finish out. Because what I got to say, I end up repeating it after I say the verse, and I don't want to do that. So, um, y'all know how I get sometime. Now the time came, we'll read through it. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. 
Uh, I know I'm re- reading some of this, but it's okay. And on the earth, and on the eighth day, they came to circumcise a child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father, but his father answered, mother answered, no. He should be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives is called by this name, and they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was open and his tongue loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. You know, more than me getting the desires of my heart is I I want the desires of God to be fulfilled in my life. See, this reaction that they got from the whole hill country of Judea, all these neighbors, loved ones, friends, they're all in awe. It says fear, but they're all in reverent awe because they cannot deny that what is happening here is a work of God. And that while they don't know yet what this kid is marked for, this impossible kid, this kid who should not have been born, this kid who should not have ended up in a barren womb, ended up in the womb of a barren woman, Past childbearing age. Do I need to wrap it up? You coming here telling me that? Okay. Past childbearing age. We have a miracle after miracle after miracle that is mute throughout the whole pregnancy. According to custom, they're going to give him his daddy's name or a name from some male relative. And she says, no, you're not. His name is John. They asked the daddy and he says, his name is John. They're like, what is going on here? And they said, what then will this child be? And before I close, I got, let's skip down to verses 76 to 79, and that's where we'll end. There is a, a lot of other verses that I skipped in this very long chapter. But in answer of the question, what then will this child be? His dad, Zechariah, ends up prophesying. And the first part of the prophecy It's about the Messiah, the coming Messiah. The second part of the prophecy is about his boy. And he says, and you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. This child, they said, what then shall this child be? That child was a prophet of the Most High. The one who paved the way for the coming Messiah. Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, we're, we're not guaranteed wise in life. I, I tell my children from the time they were young, you know, sometimes you get tired of saying because I said so. Sometimes you get tired of giving a moral reason why. But you got to keep doing. But sometimes you get the reason why and they still say it's not fair. And they can tell you what I respond to the not fair. Say, hey, 
fair comes once a year. It's a place where they judge pigs and they sell fried Twinkies. That, you know, you, you go around looking for fair in life, you're going to have a miserable, miserable existence. Right? So we're not guaranteed fair. God didn't guarantee us fair. Right? As a matter of fact, he said, in this world you will have troubles. Be a good cheer. I have overcome them all. Right? Right? So he tells us there's going to be troubles. There's going to be persecution. The trying of your faith is more precious than that of pure gold. Right? So there are going to be challenges. There are going to be things that we have to face. There's going to be some unfair situations and we can bemoan the fact that things aren't fair or we can find a way to really trust God where we're at and let, let and, and let God move right all right I got a couple of amens on that Elizabeth and Zechariah had a problem The problem that was to their reproach. Why are they barren? What did they do? What what secret sin don't we know about? What's why are they defective? What's going on? What's the problem? I thought they were godly. They sure present themselves that way. They believed that God would answer the prayer and give them a child until they got too old to bear children. And that's when they were tapped out. But when they were tapped out is when God sent his messenger. Maybe you're tapped out. Maybe you are where they were at. Maybe you're not trying to have a child right now. Maybe you've had a quiver full of them already. Right? Maybe there's something else in your life that's just as precious, that's just as important to you. And and uh, you've gotten to a point to where you're tapped out. You can't you can't see it happening anymore. We're gonna ask you all to stand. You can't see it happening anymore. I want to encourage you that you're in the, you may feel tapped out, but you're in the place where you need to be. Because when we start feeling tapped out, you know, we're right on the verge of surrender. When we're feeling tapped out, we've reached the end of ourselves and, and, and we can no longer deceive ourselves and, 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 and the pride of our self being able to accomplish it or make something happen. We've done that. We've, you know, we've, we've leaned on our abilities. We just thought that we, if we dutifully prayed that we would have earned the right to have gotten this right now. And time has passed. This Savior that, whose birth we're going to be celebrating here next week. He's the fulfillment of so many unfulfilled dreams. He is the fulfillment of so many unfulfilled expectations. He is the answer to so many prayers. The provision for so many needs. Maybe the thing that you have sought fulfillment through or the thing that you have sought fulfillment through you'll only find that fulfillment in him hallelujah father God I thank you for your people here today, Lord, and the opportunity to really share from my heart the word that you put on my heart. 
Father, I pray that the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and the miracle birth of their son, John, who would be the who would end up being the prophet of the Lord that would that would prepare the way of the Lord, prepare the people's heart to receive Jesus. I pray that their story ministers deeply to us today. I pray that that everyone that needed to sees themselves in that story and 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 they can relate to where they're at in that story. And I and I pray, Lord, that despite the fact that some of them may be tapped out, that they have reached a point where the hope that was there at one time died somewhere along the way. Lord, really, Lord, encounter them right now. Let the good news that Zechariah received from the angel Gabriel inspire them. Lord, let today's message, let this story be good news to those who have lost hope. Let it be good news to those, Father God, whose dreams have died in them because they've judged themselves as being beyond your help, beyond your reach, beyond your grace. That they, or because they think it's too late, it's too late to have that baby. So where you're at, it's wherever you're at right now. I just want to take a little time and let each of y'all, uh, I won't have y'all come up, but just take a little time to help each of y'all where you're at. Whatever is the whatever is that baby to you? Whatever it is that you thought it was too late for. For Zechariah and Elizabeth, it was being able to bear a child. For you, it may be something different. I want you to yield that to God right now. I want you to admit to God that you had given up hope on this. You did think that it was too late. And I don't want you to just drum it up. I believe that if your heart has been convicted through this message, if that's something you feel that God may be speaking to you through this message today, then act on it. Be obedient. And say, God, yes, I have given up and thought it was too late thought that it was impossible for that baby to ever be born, for, for that dream to ever be realized, for that call of God in my life to ever come to fruition. I've given up on that, Lord. I'm telling you, God is saying, that miracle is still alive. The good news, that baby can still be born. And as a, fact, as a matter of fact, that baby will be born. Because God is not through with you. God loves you. And he will use you as a vessel of honor. Fit for the master's use. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for every heart that has humbled itself before you, Lord, every man, woman, and child here, Father God, who has humbled before you and have responded to that and just had their dreams reawakened, had that, that, 
had their faith, Father God, re-inspired. Who've decided that I'm not listening to the lie of the circumstances. And instead I'm listening to the truth of God's word. I thank you for ministering to them, Lord, and I thank you for their faithful response to you. Grant them grace, Father God, to walk it out. I thank you, Father God, that you will give them their daily bread, their daily provision, to walk in that which you put in their hearts today. And Father, I ask for your blessing on our time of fellowship after the service. Lord, as we fellowship and enjoy a good meal today, I ask you to bless the hands that prepared it and all the ones who have lovingly served in various capacities to make this uh, Christmas dinner a reality. And and, uh, and and for our guests, Father God, who, uh, who kindly accepted our invitation, uh, Lord. And, and I just pray, Lord, that that uh, connections are formed, Lord, um, that will be to your glory. Um, And so, Lord, we give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.